0: your host, writer Todd Smith, and today we're joined by John Holtzman, founding partner of the Rennie Public Law Group. John, welcome to the PCO Report. Well, thanks for having me. Of course. Good to have you. Uh, all right. What the heck is Rennie Public Law Group? What do you guys do?
1: Well, we are a uh, public sector law firm representing primarily uh, uh, local governments, uh, counties, cities, and uh, special districts. Uh, throughout California.
0: And they make up 95 percent of your portfolio of work or I I get the sense you're very much exclusively, pretty much exclusively focused on public agencies and local governments in California.
1: Yeah. The exception is we do represent a few nonprofits, uh, but uh, uh, who work essentially in a similar space.
0: uh, All right. Um, So I guess that's a little bit of a distinction for your firm you've built up. Um, And how many attorneys do you have there at at the firm? About 25. Uh, so, twenty-five attorneys focused primarily on local government, a little bit of nonprofit, uh, and which means you've skewed kind of corporate work. That seems is that baked into the DNA, and what's the what's the root of that?
1: Yeah, well, it's very much baked into the DNA. We started the firm. Uh, Louise, Randy, and I started this firm. Louise had been the city attorney of San Francisco for sixteen years, uh, and uh, I was her chief deputy. And so, we really started the firm with the idea that we would do a lot of what we did in the city attorney's office in San Francisco, uh, but do it for, uh, for cities and counties, et cetera, uh, throughout the state. So yeah, it is, it's very much baked into our DNA. It's what the mission of the firm is. Uh, we, I, I always say we're different from, uh, other private sector firms who serve government, local government, because we came really directly out of government. And so we, we view ourselves as as really uh, a firm that not only is devoted to our individual clients, but to the broader mission of local
0: government. Well, and that's interesting. There's uh, a few, uh, at least you're an alum of the San Francisco Attorney's Office, correct? That's correct, yeah. Uh, and obviously, uh, Louise is as well.
1: Yes, yeah, so we have, uh, actually, I think we have five or six lawyers who are alums of, uh, uh, of the office. Linda Ross is, is an alum of the office as well. Uh, Art Hartinger um, uh, as well. And uh, uh, Miriam Morley. So, yeah, we have uh, Amy Ackerman, uh, at least six, I guess, uh, attorneys who came out of the San Francisco uh, City
0: Attorney's Office. Well, and kind of interesting, too, because that city attorney's office serves San Francisco, which is the only county city, both, uh, in the state of California, which means you got exposure to county-level activities and issues and city-level activities and issues, right?
1: Yeah, you know, the irony is, uh, you know, I'm from New York, and so I didn't know much about uh, the structure of – government in California when I, when I first started in the city attorney's office and didn't realize how unique San Francisco really is. It, it is more appropriately kind of viewed as a county council office than really a city attorney office because of the breadth of activity. And, uh, uh, you know, I didn't even realize until after I left the city attorney's office in uh, 2002 uh, that there was this very sharp distinction in California between, between what cities do and what counties do.
0: But you know it now because you work with a bunch of cities as well, primarily in the Northern California area, but a few in Southern California, too?
1: Yes. Yeah, so we're uh, we're all over the state. Um, we, you know, we're still uh, uh, stronger, I think, in Northern California than we are in Southern California. But we do work for for L.A. We've done work for San Diego uh, and you know, a lot of uh, other cities uh, in Southern California. So, yeah, we're 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 we're
0: all over No. And you said you came from New York. So what, I guess, law, where'd you go to law school? How'd you end up in California? You know, g- give me a little background on the story of John and, and entering this niche world of local government law.
1: Yeah, so it wasn't my real intention to do this. Uh, I... Uh... Uh, that's probably true for almost anybody, uh, who, uh, who we're talking to right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, the, uh, uh, uh I,
1: uh, I ended up in California because I got it to Stanford law school and, uh, I, I thought it would be, uh, uh, fun to come and visit California. I heard about it in, uh, uh. Uh, uh, in songs and, uh, music and whatever, and, uh, and on TV and, uh, et cetera. And I thought it sounded like a pretty, pretty neat place. So, um, yeah, so I came out here in, uh, in 1978, uh, to go to Stanford and, uh, really, uh, I never thought that I was going to stay in California at all. Uh, uh, I had been very involved in federal government issues, uh, throughout, uh, really, I started actually in politics when I was 14, uh, and I'd been involved. I, I ran the uh, Down Manhattan McGovern campaign when I was 16. Uh, and uh, during law school, I worked for Clark Clifford and uh, Paul Warnke, and I worked for the Center for so- uh, Law and Social Policy. I worked in Congress uh, during college. So I, I thought I was a federal government guy. And, mm-hmm. and honestly, going to Stanford at the time, I think there was a perception, um, and you have to transport yourself back in time to think about this a little bit because views of the federal government have changed so much over time. Fair but enough. If, if you come out of kind of the Kennedy era, and obviously I'm a, little, I'm a little younger than that, but but coming out of the Kennedy era, you know, the discussion was, that, that federal government was sort of for the best and the brightest. I mean, I, I know how that, that sounds right now, uh, but, but that was the thought that if you're going to go to a high level job in the federal government, that was a, a very honorable thing to do. And from the standpoint of, of the folks at Stanford law school, that was, if you were going to do government at all, it was, you know, that would, that would be the acceptable alternative. Um, Uh, the challenge for me was I was out in California. There isn't really much in the way of federal government in California. I ended up clerking for the California Supreme Court for Justice Otto Kaus for two years. So then I was out here for another couple of years, worked for Morrison and Forrester, private sector, big downtown uh, for a while as well. And at that point, I I was pretty committed to California. So uh, I I was lucky. I mean, so much of Life is luck, I guess. And, uh, you know, I met Louise Rennie. Uh, Louise Rennie had just become uh, the city attorney of San Francisco. She was was appointed at the time and then uh, ultimately she was elected to three more terms. And I was, I was the head of what's called the Barrister's Club, and I was giving a speech, she was giving a speech, uh, and she said, hey, how would you like to come and you know be part of my sort of core team uh, rebuilding the city attorney's office. Uh, at the time, the city attorney's office did not have, San Francisco city attorney's office, didn't have a great reputation. Uh, and uh, so it was the equivalent of sort of career suicide. So I thought,
0: great, perfect. <laughs> uh, so uh, if you're going to commit career suicide, I do it at a young age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, can I still recover. I,
1: yes. I, and so uh, at the uh, ripe old age of 29, I became her special assistant, uh, ultimately became uh, chief deputy city attorney. Uh, and so um, uh, it, it was just, you know, it was really luck to get in on the ground floor of a place that right now I would probably have trouble getting hired at a low level in and uh uh, and then we had this this incredible experience of for 15 years uh of of building that office into you know what i would assert at least is probably the top public office in the united states uh, for a local government and uh uh you know so that was um it was really there was a lot of luck involved in, in 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 that um part of it was though that we realized there was this tremendous untapped reserve of people who didn't want to go to big firms uh who wanted to you know do the public good uh and that there was this uh untapped idea That local government actually isn't as kind of gritty and grimy or whatever as maybe folks thought. That that really local government posed the opportunity to get stuff done, to develop policy, to do things that we always thought the federal government was going to be the leader in. And, of course, what really happened during this era was that the federal government ceased to be much of a leader in, in, in policy development. Uh, and so what really happened in a lot of ways is, is local government became, you know, a good bit more popular.
0: Mm-hmm. So particularly, I suppose, in activist, uh, cities, counties, like, uh, San Francisco, um, where there was, and, you know, frankly, also lots of policy challenges to take on that were more bleeding edge than you might see in some rural areas and suburbs and whatnot. Right. Um, well, that's interesting. So this mentality of kind of build, build a, build a practice focused on the public interest with uh, excellent talent. I assume that's what transcended into the creation and formation of of RPLG.
1: Yeah. So uh, really, uh, our, our intention um, in when we started RPLG originally was really to just bring one of the things we did in the city attorney's office was we were able to get folks who were, you know top people in um, in private sector law uh, to come and, 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 and work with us. Uh, so these are people, top graduates of law schools, uh, and, uh, uh you know, uh, who were really, really, you know, excellent lawyers. And, uh, that was something that, that was somewhat new to public law at the time, I think, to be able to really get the, you know, the, the, the top talent. So really our focus was to do much the same thing with RPLG, uh, to, you know, really get, you know, top talent and really do cutting edge work. I think there there had always been, and maybe there still is, a little bit of a bias that you know cities and counties would would use um, sort of the traditional public sector law players um, for their routine work, and then if they had a really big hot issue, they would go to a Morrison and Forster or Howard Rice or uh, you know one of one of the sort of high end firms mm-hmm. and pay you know three times four times what they were paying uh you know for uh low, for 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 more typical representation and our goal was really to sort of capture that market to capture the cases that were um you know uh that were going you know or might otherwise go to private sector firms who, which didn't really even know public law I mean and so the irony is you're going to those firms they, they have to learn everything from the right. beginning. Uh, but there was always, you know, and maybe this is true in life in general, but there was always, I think the, the view that, you know, the folks who are most accessible are probably the least good. <laughs> so <laughs> there was always a sort of flight to, to, to the, the bigger firms for the big cases.
0: So, um, so you're, you're focused on this particular niche of, uh, of kind of bringing the best of the attorneys and filling this area or going after this particular market, uh, which isn't to the exclusion, I think, of doing general practice law for cities as well and other ongoing work. But I am curious, why does, if, if a young attorney or a young law student is listening to this conversation right now, like what's their trade-off? If Why do they choose to come work at your firm versus stick with the big corporate firm or some such thing?
1: Well, a lot of people are very disenchanted with big corporate law. I mean, number one, the hours are just soul crushing. And uh, we, although we do not view ourselves as a lifestyle firm, and I I, I get very upset when anybody talks about that. The fact of the matter is people don't have to work the soul crushing hours that they have to work in firms. They're paid less than they are, uh, than they would be in a private sector firm that serves private sector clients because our rates are obviously less than half of, of what, downtown rates are uh but they're paid more than they would be paid if they went into say a pure public interest job or most government jobs it's not true 100 but um so so it's a happy or at least i hope a happy medium between uh you know a life of 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 you know toil uh, (laughs) You know, uh, and, and, you know, uh, the other thing about it is is structurally those firms are very hierarchical. Uh, they're, you know, uh, they're quite old fashioned. Uh, they're, you know, uh, they're not uh, what we strive to create in an environment, obviously being a boutique firm. Uh, uh, they're not driven by a mission. And I, I, I find personally, I mean, sure, there are a lot of people in the world who are driven, you know, Largely by money, and they're probably not the people we're going to get. <laughs> uh, but there are a surprising number of, of of you know law school graduates who are really out there, you know, to do good things, to make change, uh, uh, to make to help people, and you know, so so we're really very well positioned in a lot of respects to do that, and 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 that's that's the group that we try to bring into the profession and into the firm.
0: I've learned that uh, in life there are – it's good to have choice. And for the law school graduates and attorneys out there, they have different opportunities to go to work for different law firms. And it sounds like our PLG is providing a different niche to go after or a place to work and fulfill a kind of mission-driven purpose while still making enough money to put some Cheerios on the table and uh, drive, drive a car and you know, own a house and things like that. So um, it's good to have options in life is I guess my, my, my point on that.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think that's right. And, and again, it's not for everybody. Uh, uh, you know, we are we are looking for people who um, who see public law as kind of a calling, uh, you know, and so that's not everybody. It, it isn't everybody. Um, but I also find and I'm sure you do, too, because I know how devoted you are to bringing people into the public space, uh, you know, uh, that. Um, the work is just a ton more interesting than people realize, and a ton more positive than people realize. I think when people look at government and they think of all the problems of government, which really, you know, government has a lot of problems. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I mean, I'm not sure private sector doesn't either. I just I don't know enough about it to, to know. But the, uh, you know, uh, when they see that, I don't think they realize that one of the greatest things about local government. And this sounds cliche is, you know, you as an individual can make a tremendous difference. I mean, you can, when I look back on my career and how, you know, I've been involved in, you know, many cutting edge efforts uh, that have gone national, uh, you know, uh, that, uh, um, you know, these are things that I can feel personally proud about
0: having worked on. Yeah. Um well, and I, I think I certainly sense that mission and some of the young people, well, and many of the young people we bring in, too. I'm I'm not sure they fully appreciate and understand what, what all of local government really means, um, but the idea of making an impact on communities and helping people is something that uh, is attractive to the folks that come work here. And, you know, I would say the same thing for a lot of the folks I talk to at MMASC or NC or the city manager people I know. Like, there are very few of them who were 16 years old and said, I am going to be a city manager, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. But they found themselves doing public service work and enjoying it and getting their hands dirty in a community and trying to solve problems on the ground. And they stuck around for a while. And They were competent and capable and ethical. And next thing you know, they're an ACM and then a city manager and they're, you know, doing, doing the big seat job. So. Um, it's an, it's an interesting space, right? I think it's a space where if you fall into it, as many people do, as you noted, uh, you tend to, uh, like you tend to stick when you fall into it. It's a, it's a deeper pit. So,
1: um, you know, I I think it's also, you know, it's a question of whether you really want to enjoy your career. And, and I mean, this is, you know, this is, this is fun stuff.
0: So, John, you uh, built this successful firm. It sounds like uh, you're, you're in a great niche and you're looking for a particular type of talent, but I assume, does this mean you're kind of, kind of constantly on the recruiting path and trying to bring in new talent?
1: Uh, absolutely. It, it, the biggest challenge that the firm faces is finding people and educating people about the opportunities of, of public law, and uh, you know that's something that we, we have to work at really every Every day, I think one of the um, the hard things about it is um, we tend to, uh, all of us in public sector, tend to throw people in at the deep end, um, and uh, that uh, that can be a, a, a very daunting challenge. It's also though a great opportunity for uh, folks coming into the profession to take to get a lot of responsibility. You know, very, very early in their careers. We often will hire somebody who's been in a private sector firm doing private sector work for, you know, five years, never taken a deposition. And they're shocked that the second day they're here, they're taking a deposition. Uh, So uh, that's one of the great opportunities of working in public law. It's also, you know, we have lawyers here you know, like Jeff Spellberg, for example, who have over 100 civil jury trials. You just don't find people in, you know, I mean, at Morrison and Forster, you know, big August law firm, you know, the big partners probably had 10 civil jury trials uh, in their careers. So, you know, and they, those guys were 60 years old, uh, you know, so um, that's an opportunity in public sector that just does not exist elsewhere.
0: Yeah. That's certainly unique, and I think the exposure, the depth of the experience—in my experience at Trippi Smith, when we, uh, in my day job, when I'm not doing public CEO, when we're recruiting young talent, bringing it into, the, into the local government sector—yes, they get thrown in the deep end. They get exposed to experienced principals on our team that have been around the block a few times in crisis situations, for example, or social media issues. And so the learning curve is super steep, uh, but very powerful. And if you're intellectually curious and capable, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal process to go through.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, I look at myself. I mean, uh, you know, I had, you know, I was running the city's labor uh, and employment, San Francisco's labor and employment uh, world when I was 29 years old.
0: Yeah, that's young. (laughs) 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 But, and you probably learned a lot, right?
1: I learned. I learned a lot. I mean, I have to say, in fairness, I was. I think I, I, I learned how to do it when I was about thirty-five. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there there is a downside to being
0: thrown into the deep end. Well, the, the key thing is, I assume you have you have major partners at the firm that provides a good over, oversight to the Utes, so to speak.
1: Yes, absolutely. And that, one of the things about this firm that that is really unusual is we have a lot of people who have really 30 plus years of experience in public sector and uh, you know uh, that's a a tremendous luxury to practice with people like that Uh, and uh, to have somebody you can go to who can give you the answer you know in, in, in two minutes as opposed to eight hours. I mean the weird thing about our world is you know if you have to research it if you have to really understand it it can take days of, of, of research if you have somebody who's really senior i'm going to give you an example at linda ross i mean so linda ross uh was in the city attorney's office at the same time i was she was head of the labor employment team after me she uh then was head of public protection team which is police etc and then she was the mayor's lawyer the mayor being gavin newsom for eight years Uh, and so, you know, Linda, you know, simply knows a lot and, uh, and, you know, if you call Linda, I mean, my joke as a guy who runs a firm is, you know, what do you do with a, you know, in, in a system where you get paid by the hour with, with people who can write a brief in two hours, (laughs) you know, that's supposed to take a week. Right. Uh, So, uh, but, but truly it's, 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 you know, it's an incredible pleasure to work with, with folks who just, who just know the law.
0: You, um, it's going back to, to this experience of bringing in younger folks into the profession. uh, RPLG runs a fellowship program. Could you talk a little bit about the fellowship program?
1: Yeah, this is something we're, we're very, very excited about. We, uh, this is about our fifth year running it. So this is a program for law students, uh, typically, although we use, we bring in some public policy students as well. And uh, it's a two-week program uh, in which we expose folks to uh, uh, some of the thought leaders in local public sector. Uh, And the the concept behind the program uh, is uh, to show people, particularly people who I think are viewing their career as in some way public service oriented, uh, you know, more typically they're thinking public interest oriented, uh, to show them all the great things that government does, all the really important and intellectually difficult issues that government is, is working with. And, and most importantly, the quality of people who are in government, because that's what, I mean, that's the unknown thing about Uh, for a lot of people, about government. I think if you don't know government, if you don't know local government, you probably naturally assume it's filled with a bunch of bureaucrats who... Mm -hmm who, you know, aren't that thoughtful. Uh, And, you know, the fact of the matter is anybody who knows the city managers, for example, uh, will tell you, you know, these are some of the most thoughtful people you could ever run into. And so we bring in, you know, city managers, we bring in city attorneys, we bring in uh, folks who do, you know, uh, homeless issues, uh, uh, fire issues, uh, police reform issues, all of these kinds of issues to show them all of these issues that are, that are percolating in local government and the incredible minds that we have on those issues in local government. Uh, and, uh, and then the, the hope is that they will choose a career uh, you know, in local government. We have a few of them who've come to the firm itself. It is not designed primarily as a recruitment tool for the firm. It's really designed as a recruitment tool to bring lawyers, you know, top quality lawyers uh, into you know, the general local government sphere.
0: Right. So it's kind of a method for giving back to the industry at large.
1: It is. It is. And, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but it's also a lot of fun because it gives us, uh, you know, for a couple of weeks, the opportunity to look back and not look at things in a purely legal lens, but to be looking at the, the relationship of how, how does local government get something done, you know, important things, difficult issues, you know, and how that relates to the law practice
0: yeah um so and speaking of not really looking at through a purely legal lens uh, rplg um has expanded kind of its lines of services you have other divisions right so you have a public policy group rppg and uh and then a management group right R- rp Uh, can you like, what's up with that? Why, why do you have these other divisions? This is, I mean, not all law firms do this. What, what makes you guys special and what, what's the point of having those three different divisions between legal management and, uh, uh, I guess effectively lobbying.
1: Lobbying, Yeah. So, and and by the way, the lobbying is all on behalf of local government. We don't, we don't do uh, private sector lobbying and we also only lobby in Sacramento. We don't lobby our clients. Uh, the, um, So the the concept underlying it, um, I guess, comes from a strongly held belief that the issue that you hire lawyers for is to solve problems. And um, a lot of times, sadly, the problems we're solving, particularly in our litigation team, are problems that have already occurred, Uh, and, 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 you know, bad things may have happened or, or at least things that got a suit, the, um, there are, you know, in many ways, we really actually have four, uh, divisions and, and the idea is how to advance the, the ball in any given situation can be different. So the, the the core of the idea is really that lawyers are not everything. Uh, the big uh, you
0: say. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Well, I, I, I'm just. I mean, I, I, there's a reason why, uh, and I, we could talk about this later. Why we hire a lot of people who are recent undergrads, who uh, you know, and you do too, for that matter. Uh, is they're they're very bright, they're very they're very uh, curious, and 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 heck, they can have a lot of ideas that lawyers that are as good or better than very well-trained lawyers can have. So part of the idea is that, that lawyers are not the only solution, but part of the idea is that a lot of the problems that present as legal issues um, may not be really legal issues. They could be, let's let's take the management group, which is essentially a consulting group. Uh, you know, we do uh, training for city managers, we do evaluations, we do... Uh, everything from classification studies to, uh, you know, uh, 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 just consulting on how do you make this organization run better or whatever. Um, you know, uh, that, you know, very often, uh, that's what a local government needs. They don't really need a lawyer. They may need a lawyer to get them out of the particular dilemma that they're in. Um, but, um, particularly in the era of, um, um, Uh, you know, we've had with the baby boomers retiring, there's, there's been a little bit of uh, a shortage of, of, uh, talent, uh, you know, coming up. I mean, there's a lot of great people coming up, but there, you know, there's, uh, there's still a lot of holes, you know, to fill. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, um, so, so the idea is that there are different ways of achieving your goal. One of the ways achieving a goal is to get, you know, an excellent, Former city manager, you know, uh, you know, a Nelson Fiallo, et cetera, um, to come in and 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 figure out how to solve this problem, or a, or a top HR person, or whatever. Um, uh, another way of solving your problem might be legislative, uh, as in state legislature. Uh, and you know, so much of what local governments suffer from is uh, legislation from Sacramento. Right now, I'd like to say that. That a lot of what our lobbying group does is is create new legislation for cities, and they do. Um, but a lot of what we also do is try to stop bad legislation, right? Uh, and so, uh, or or make the legislation, you know, more user friendly, right? So that so that it's achievable, so that you can actually. Work, work with it, you know? And so, so that's why we felt the lobbying group was really important. And then the, the final piece, which we don't really talk that much about is we do affirmative litigation on behalf of, of, uh, cities and counties, meaning that we sue, um, you know, for example, we sued the opioid manufacturers. We sued Juul, uh, you know, for public health harms, or it's not always public health. It could be consumer harms, Or other things, because that's another way that we can, you know, that local governments can accomplish their goals. So the broader point is, you want to have all the tools, Uh, and and the other point of it is, uh, you know, I think having spent because I worked on you know a lot of things like bankruptcy and pension reform that require a lot of consultants. uh, One of the things I have learned is that um, consulting alone doesn't necessarily get you there. Um, you, you know what you need is not just the consulting but but the tools to accomplish what your consultant is going to tell you you need to do. Uh, and um, so just having a book that sits on the shelf of the study that says here's and, and we all know this happens all the time and I yep. you know uh, you know isn't enough. it's what you want is the consultant working with the lawyers. Saying okay, how do we achieve this? So a lot of what I work in is obviously labor and employment. Uh, you know, that's a, uh, labor tends to be a major impediment to uh, achieving reforms, change, uh, improvements, efficiencies, uh, all of those sorts of things. So it isn't very helpful to come up with a study that says if there wasn't labor issues, we could do X, and it's like great. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, uh, our job is to then put that together and say, well, what's a workable plan? How do right. we how do we make it affect? So, so that's a lot of why we have uh, the 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 other the other groups.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um. So, what's kind of what's what's keeping up at night when you think about the legal issues affecting the local government world, John, what, what's what's looming out there on the horizon or what are the big things you've been kind of noodling through? Obviously, I'm not looking to pry into existing client cases or things no, like no. that. But from your legal perspective, what's going on in the local government world that that you chew on? Well, <laughs>
1: spent a lot of time chewing on a number of issues. Uh, I, I guess, you know, i um, First of all, the broadest issue that faces local government right now uh, is what is our relationship to state government and regional government, uh, and you know obviously the housing issue has 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 placed that you know absolutely squarely at the center. Yep. Uh, We're in the effectively in the process of redefining that relationship, whether we admit it or not. Uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I am very much a local government guy, a local power guy. Uh, but I, you know, I recognize also there are re- such a thing as regional issues. I mean, I always say to people, you know, look, talk about transportation, where where's it going to, right? I mean, yeah. in, in most cases, it's going someplace outside of, you know, whatever your local, you know. So so there are, you know, the reality is there are issues that are statewide or that I think more importantly are regional. Uh, the state is almost too big to have statewide issues. It's, it it it, it has it does have some statewide issues, but it but it, but a lot of the issues are regional. Uh, so a lot of what keeps me up at, at night is you know we have this brewing. Uh, you know, local government has always been very popular relative to other governments. I
0: mean, yep, government- more trusted.
1: Yeah, I mean, never, governments never popular, popular, but it, but by by comparison to all other governments, local government has been generally much more popular. All of, particularly the housing issues, but some of the other issues as well are 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 beginning to drive a wedge there because their people who are beginning to feel their local government doesn't represent them, uh, and uh, and 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 this is a, a very, um, I think it's a very troubling. Movement and that I don't know where it's all going to go, uh, and I also don't have. I have to admit, really, the answer, which is to say, sure, you know, maybe we get a ballot measure that says, well, everything's local again, you know, and that's going to satisfy some people. Uh, but you know, we do have these real problems we need to solve too. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, I, I, I'm I'm not as much as I used to be in the sort of reflexive, you know, local government is. Absolutely everything. There are these problems we need to solve, and and you know a good example of this is you know look at homelessness. We are not going to solve homelessness at the local level. I don't care what you say. Uh, you need state. You need federal. You need everything here. So on the one hand, you know if you can't on the one hand say everything's local and then say oh yes, but we need the state and federal government to solve this problem. So I I think you have to take a, a nuanced view of this issue. But it it. So that that is number one. Number two, of course, I live in San Francisco, uh, which, you know, uh, has been, you know, I know nobody knows about this well-kept secret, but, you know, we've had some problems recently. Yeah. uh, uh, You know, and, you know, but the problems are, you know, they are very concentrated in San Francisco, but they are common across the state. Uh, The uh, and, you know, homelessness, crime uh, et cetera. And I think, um, you know, we're in a position where we have, these are very, very challenging issues and, and we don't have a lot of great answers to these, these issues yet. So I think these are, you know, to me, figuring out how do we, how do we address these issues is huge. But then, you know, there are other issues too. I, I do a lot of work in the fire prevention space and, um, uh, I represent some fire districts and that are very active in the area of fire prevention And you know I look at you know we think that we are in favor of preventing fires um, but in reality when we look at what's happening on the ground, there is tremendous resistance um, to regulation, and, and enforcement that is what's necessary to actually achieve those results. And there are these large swaths of land that are owned by parks districts and other things that don't really want to play ball, uh, because they've got their own ideas about where they want to spend their money. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I think we really lack a coherent, um, approach to actually achieving, we're all saying the right things. I mean, you won't find a person who isn't saying they're in favor of fire prevention. Uh,
0: Except for arsonists, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah right. Uh, but but when it comes down to achieving those goals, we, we are, in some ways, we may even be moving away from them.
0: Well, I, I mean, I guess I would just observe one of the, it's this is the amalgamation of all the challenges you're talking about. There's all this pressure on local agencies to create housing uh more and more housing is going where land is cheaper which puts them in what's called the wildland urban interface or puts them out near the forests and near more rural areas where fires are more common there's more material to burn and guess what happens you get more houses that catch fire you get more structure fires you get uh, more exposure to the risk right and then so there's kind of this dichotomous approach to policy on the one hand saying you got to build more housing and on the other hand it's like well, I'm going to build the housing where there's more fire risk and state doesn't necessarily care about that risk. They, at least from a, you know, I'll say a housing mandate side on density and creating units. Um, and then, and then you get the third layer comes in, which is the insurance companies who are like, wait a minute, we, we can't cover these insurance risks anymore, right? The fire risk is too high. So now the state becomes the insurer of last resort. And that has all sorts of other kind of interesting implications for the market. It's a real amalgamation of kind of economics, policy objectives, Government working against government—that makes for you know kind of a confounding circumstance, and and uh, uh, I find frustrating to kind of watch it unfold. But you clearly, especially with your fire district clients, you must be on the front lines of some of those issues.
1: We are, and actually, you know, uh, one of the chiefs that I, I work with uh, is one of the leaders in uh, fire modeling and uh, and fire prevention, uh, you know, thinking, and so he is working primarily now with the Hoover Institution uh, uh, and uh, and so a lot of other folks around the state and even some legislators on how do we improve the modeling so that um, insurance pricing is driven by condition, actual conditions on the ground? Because to the extent that we could do that, where we could price risk in, in, in an inappropriate way, and just you know, right now, that pricing is not in any way localized. It's not really, I mean, it is localized, but it's not localized at a level that you as a person who owns property could affect your, your risk profile.
0: Right. Right.
1: um, You know, to get it down to that local level. And it's not that hard with more modern technology to be able to get it down to that level and to model what what you do need to do. So I think that's, you know, one of the real keys here. And it's true, even in the WUI, you know, uh, I've tried with my fire district clients to keep us a little bit out of the, uh, you know, are we in favor of housing or not? Fight because we are we, we are single-purpose districts. Uh, we're there to you know prevent and suppress fire, uh, and it's I don't think it's in the interest of the fire districts to get into what is a much broader political fight. But what we do think is critical is if you're going to build in the Wooly, you know that, uh, and we're looking at packages of things that need to happen with, with respect to width of roads with respect to fire hardening of, of buildings, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot that can be done to, to address fire risk with, uh, you know, fuel breaks, et cetera. But there are also a lot of impediments to doing that. And, and so we need to clear away these impediments if we're going to be building in fire prone
0: areas. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, I think it's, i'm going to wrap up here because i want to conclude on that kind of amalgamation of issues it speaks to the complexity of the circumstances and policy choices we make in california and it speaks to some of the root evolution of rplg and why you ended up opening other divisions and taking multiple angles to solve big problems for local government agencies rooted in your career and experience in the city attorney's office so uh i think it's it's kind of a great example of that john how do people learn more about the firm
1: well, uh, we have, uh, a, a, a website, uh, and, uh, the website is, uh, you know, uh, has, has, has a lot of information, uh, about the firm. Uh, you know, uh, you can also obviously contact, uh, uh, uh you know, any of our uh, lawyers, including me, uh, we're easily found on the website and, uh, uh, we love, love to talk about what we do. Uh, people shouldn't feel, uh, constrained to call us only with business uh, again i mean I, I we take it seriously when when i say you know we love to uh, talk to people about what problems they're facing and maybe spitball some ideas maybe they work maybe they don't uh you know but that's the kind of thing we like to do we we like uh, you know uh the the tough problems and we're you know we we are very very open to you know conversations we're also obviously at most of the conferences uh and and happy to talk there as well uh we're at calpelra we're at uh, league uh this year at league we're uh uh, uh speaking on uh, uh fire uh that some of the things we've just been talking oh, about very good um, and uh um uh, we're at uh um uh uh pretty much uh, all of the sectors uh, uh, of League as well. Uh, so, uh, uh, so yeah, we look forward to, you know, uh, talking with people. We're very interested, as I say, in collaborating uh, with folks, and people should, should feel free to pick up the phone and say, hey, I got a problem and not worry that we're going to be charging you.
0: Uh, And just to be clear, that URL for the website is uh, Rene Public Law Group. That's R E N N E, publiclawgroup.com is the domain to go after. And I would assume, John, equally to your point earlier about uh, always looking for new talent, if people want to call you up and have a chat about joining the law firm, they should equally go to the website and reach out, correct?
1: Absolutely. Yes. We We would really welcome that. We need help. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you need help. Local government needs help. So I appreciate, uh, uh, I appreciate I appreciate the mentality.
1: I sometimes joke that uh, the the tagline of the firm should be, local
0: government needs a friend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think my city manager friends would certainly agree with that statement. <laughs> uh, and that's today's report. My thanks to John for joining us. From the whole public CEO team and myself, writer Todd Smith, thank you for your time. We hope you learned something new and inspiring that will help you in your public service. Remember, Public CEO has a daily newsletter that is free to those who sign up at publicceo.com. If you have feedback, questions, or guest suggestions for Public CEO Report, please email editor at publicceo.com.